will grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, our gospel lesson for today, really it can be summed up in very simple terms. We find it also in a, another portion of Scripture that tells us, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And indeed, isn't that what we so often find in our world today? In fact, just kind of looking at, at statistics this past week, we're told that three out of four young people departing for the university will lose their faith in Christ. So you have your, your young people at home, you have them in, in your family, you have them in your community, you're taking them to church every Sunday. Now they depart, they go off on their own to the university Yes, we're told three out of four will lose their faith. Now what is the difference? The difference is the company that they're hanging out with, isn't it? The difference is that no longer on Sunday morning does mom and dad make them get up and come to church and hang out with other Christian people, right? Because now they have the choice. Now they can sleep in. Or now they, they can hang out with other friends that don't share their beliefs. Now they, yes, also have university professors that are beginning to lie to them. Uh, that's exactly what it is. You have people that grew up hating God. You have people that grew up despising God. You have people that want others to come around to their point of view. And they simply spout out lies. Lies about God's Word. Lies about the, the truth of His love. Lies about the compassion that He has. Lies that we're not really children. We just got here by accident. Different and various lies. And yet I can well remember in my university days, yes, even way back then, this, this was taking place. I remember the man's name, his name was Ronnie Turner. And Ronnie Turner stood before the class and he said, My father was a Methodist pastor. And one day he felt I had disrespected the Bible. I had just carelessly thrown the Bible you know, back, back in the, the back window area of the car. He felt that was inappropriate and he punished me for that. And on that particular day I said, there is no God. And I will not be a Christian if that is how my father will treat me for mishandling a Bible. Indeed, I think we all have been there. We all have grown up in those kinds of environments. If you get out of your community, you go off to the, the junior college, you go off to the university, and you have the professor there that is just like that man. Some event took place in their past. They came to the conclusion that they, they were angry at God. And their whole course of life Change. And they began to mock the Lord. 
And they began to mock his commands and they began to, to be foul-mouthed about it. And dear friends, yes, you, you and I, we, we change positions, we change communities, we, we change occupations, or, or, or just our, our department within the organization we work for. And we come amongst bad company. And now maybe that bad company is not as outspoken as the professor I was telling you about this morning. Maybe they're much more subtle, you see. They have maybe just one little quibble with that word of God. And then they bring out their big example of how there could be one place where that word of God fails. And well, we, we've heard, you know, some of these arguments as well, haven't we? Do you mean to tell me if you could go back into 1930s Germany and murder Adolf Hitler, that you would hold back your hand? You see, we trot out the, the big, abrupt example. To make our argument where we would say, oh, maybe it's okay to murder one person once in a while. See? And maybe it's not all as big as that, but maybe you have some friends and they want to get together on Friday night and they say, well, I know the Bible says drunkenness is wrong, but... You ought to be able to tie one on once in a while. You had a really tough week, after all. Maybe it's okay sometimes, you see. Again, bad company corrupting our good morals. You come from a Christian family, you come out of a Christian home, you enter into the secular world, and you meet up with many of these different and various arguments. And maybe it came in once in a while. But maybe it was just a little bit. You failed here, you failed there. But the catch is, did you admit your failure and come back to God's standard? Or, or did you just kind of keep standing out there going, well, I guess once in a while it's okay to do this. Now, as a, a, a bus driver, I kind of see it, you know, very, very often in, in people's day-to-day -day lives, the, the lives of students, as far as, you know, disrespecting their parents and disrespecting their teachers. I almost shudder a little bit, but, you know, a, a little kid comes on the school bus. And you kind of want to keep the little kids in the front and the older kids in the back, because if the little kids get back with the older kids, right, what are they going to learn? It's okay to disrespect mom and dad. It's okay to disrespect your teachers at times. It's okay to break 
the eighth commandment. Right? What's the eighth commandment? You remember, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And how often do you and I hear this commandment being broken? It's not just on the school bus, is it? Right, you get out in your work centers, you get out working it in your occupation, and you know what maybe seems to be the, the big thing in your work center, your your workspace. Yeah, and we can bad mouth that other person. And if I can come up with some even bigger, more glowing story about them, and we can talk about them behind their back. Oh, look, oh, I heard, oh, my. Did you hear what so-and-so did this weekend? Wow. Again, we come back to our text for today. Now, bad company corrupts good morals. And, you know, it, it's understandable because we, we want to be liked, don't we? And we want to be able to fit in. And, and we go to that new place, we go to that new school, that, that new university, we go to that new job, that, that you know, new transfer in our employment. And, and you want to fit in and you want to be one of the people. And they're standing around the water cooler. There's, oh, did you hear the one about Phil? And wanting to fit in, and wanting to go along with that, you're, well, no, tell me, well, what about Phil? And how you're participating? And then maybe something about Susie comes to your mind. Well, well, let me tell you about Susie. I, I want to go with the flow, you see. And it's not just in breaking the, the commandments, but it's in the foundational ideas of Christianity, isn't it? I was so very, very surprised that, um, well, it's been about six months ago or something like that, uh, you know, talking to a, a, a pregnant woman, you know, and, and, you know, she seemed excited about her pregnancy. And, you know, she, she's going in for an ultrasound and, uh, you know, having a, a nice conversation. And, and she says to me, you know, if something's wrong with the baby, I'm going to get an abortion. She said it just like that. And I, I just was about floored because, you know, all of our teaching within the, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod has always been, you know, abortions are wrong. Abortions are sin. How is it that you, you grow up in a church and how is it that, you know, you're raised in a Christian family and how is it that you're, you're going about your, your life and, and you have a, a, a new little one growing inside of you and you're able to say those words. If something is wrong with the baby, I'll get an abortion. This is our society, isn't it? It's because you and I live in a nation where abortion is funded by the government. 
is because you and I live in a nation where abortion is a multi-million dollar industry. Where there are so many men and women that make their living off of it. Where it's protected by our laws and our court system. And so you got out into the, the world and you began to interact with other people and suddenly your standard started to erode. But first you would say the law of God, the word of God says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. The word of God says that he knew us in our mother's womb. And if God is doing the knitting and God is doing the forming and God already knows us, then who are we to make a decision that that baby is not quite good enough? That baby is not formed quite as I would like it to be. That baby is an inconvenience. That baby will alter my course in history. And hanging around then with people who have that attitude and that view, is it any wonder that we would begin to have our standard eroded? That maybe going from the standard that God will provide, we would instead say, oh, I'm afraid. I don't think God's really going to take very good care of me if I follow His command. I think maybe there might be some exceptions. I think maybe if I was back in 1930s Germany that it would be okay to murder some people. And all of a sudden, the standard is no longer the pillar that God intended it to be. Now all of a sudden I can kind of move it around. I don't really like it there. I'm going to just kind of move it over here where it's a little more comfortable. I, I can have a, a, a little bit more free will. I, I can make some of my own decisions. And when I, I say that, what does that really mean? It means I'm God now, doesn't it? If my standard is better for my life than God's standard is, I just became God, didn't I? And, and God is just like some kind of advisor out there. And, you know, maybe he had some good things to say 50 years ago. And maybe he had some good things to, to say 2,000 years ago. But now, with my modern intellect and my great education, our new way of doing things, I know better than God. And isn't that what many people in our nation today are saying? That they know better somehow. 
know, their advanced training with, with the, the PhD behind their name. They know better. Our Lord God gives His best. And yeah, of course, that's what you expect to hear in the church on Sunday morning. But really, throughout time, proven over thousands of years, the principles of God's Word hold true. You know, when I was a young man, I knew a, a lot of people that were friends with my parents. They read the Proverbs and the Psalms every day. And I can well remember having people come over to our home and, and talking about how they ran their business based on insight from the book of Proverbs. They would read a proverb every day. They would meditate upon that proverb. They, they would put it within their heart. And you know, now how do we run our, our businesses? Well, based on, on what some professor over at the university says, right? If that professor says something that contradicts the, the Word of God, do I even know what the Word of God says on that subject? Do I even understand that the book of Proverbs can give me insight into running my business every day? Or do I just kind of do whatever the latest expert says? Oh, those guys are so outdated. Maybe 50 years ago the Bible worked. And isn't that what we hear today in our classrooms? And at the seminars that we attend. And on, on the TV stations that we watch. That old Bible. Dear friends, what we need to do again is come back to that trust in God, don't we? That if God in His Holy Word has given us a principle to live by, that we would trust that principle is for our good. And we would live by it. Instead of allowing the, the pillars of our morality to be eroded over time, we would simply say, I'm going to follow that word of God no matter what. And even if it means that I don't fit in with my newest friends or the, the place that I'm working now, I'm not going to bear false witness or gossip about others. And even though maybe I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know how I'm going to feed my children tonight, I'm not going to steal. I'm going to trust the Lord to provide. And as even if I live back in 1930s Germany, I'm not going to go out and start murdering some people that I think it might create a better outcome, but rather... I will live my life according to God's principles. So I'm not going to let the, the unique case 
override what God has asked me to do. That rather, I will be able to stand and to say, God said it. I believe it. That settles the matter. And dear friends, we can only come to that place of assurance when we have that salvation that is found only in Jesus the Christ. When you and I truly understand that Jesus hung upon a tree enduring suffering and death just for me. It's only when I fully understand that principle that I can trust him, isn't it? That Jesus loved me so much that even though I had failed at times, even though standing around the, the water cooler I had gossiped at times, even though at, at the brink of financial disaster I had contemplated the stealing from other people, even though in my mind I sinned because I thought I knew better than God. Even when I was in that place, Jesus died for me. And even perhaps when I was shaking my fist at heaven and angry at God and even cursing his name, Jesus died for me. He loves me that much. He wants to take away all of my sin. He wants me to have the wonderful life He has planned for me. But the life that, that I can only have if I follow His principles. The life that I can only have if I separate myself from bad company. The life that I can only have when my foundation is solid and secure. The life that I can only have when I obey His Word, when I trust He has my best interest at heart, when I understand that the outcome will be according to God's will when I follow God's principles. That's the thing, isn't it? Because somehow you and I, maybe sometimes we expect, I can break God's law, I can go against His word, I can commit sin, and somehow it's all going to come out okay in the end. But no, it's not. We need to do what's right. And how do we do what's right? We do it because we believe. We believe in God. We believe in His Son, Jesus. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe His Word will bring about a good outcome. We believe that following Him will help us to do our very best. Now, dear friends, we have that foundation. We have that understanding. 
Jesus Christ loves you so very much. He forgives your sins. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And following in his steps, we will find eternal life. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.